All right, Philippians 2, please. Philippians 2. These are servants to imitate. The, again, Philippians is a prison epistle. Uh, this is, well, Paul is in prison or imprisoned. Uh, he penned, penned this letter. He's sending it to the church at Philippi. And he's going to recommend to them Timothy, who is he's actually sending in his place. And also he's sending back Epaphroditus. Now, Epaphroditus was a representative sent from Philippi to minister to Paul while he was in prison. So he's sending them back. The context, I believe, has a strong emphasis here in chapter 2 upon the, the aspect of humility. There's the exhortation for, to humility in verses 1 to 4, uh, chapter 2. He says, uh, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit in loneliness of mind. Let each esteem other better than themselves. Uh, you have an example of humility, humility, of course, Christ himself. Verse 8, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. And then the verses 12 through 18, which is, encompasses right up to our section, uh, you have the uh, exercise of humility as light bearers of the truth. Uh, so humility, I believe, is, is one of the, the primary focus of this section. Humility is not to think less of yourself, but to not think about yourself at all. That's Warren Wiersbe. It's, it's not, that's not an exact quote from him, but that's the essence of it. Uh, when we think of humility, we were talking to class this morning, I think uh, one of the, Ron had mentioned that it, just about the time we think we have it, we lost it. Uh, you know, man, I'm really a humble person. Well, just about the time you think that, you, you, you lost your humility. James Packer said this, A healthy heart is one that bows down in humility and rises in praise and adoration. It was a great quote. It bows down in humility, realizing, you know what? I come to you, God, with empty hands. And the only, t- the only reason there's anything in them, if they are full, is because of you. So I bow myself in, down in humility, but I rise in praise and adoration. Praise and adoration to God. As, as we head then into this section here in verses 19 to 30, uh, Paul is going to tell us what it, about two servants, Timothy and uh, Epaphroditus. These are servants to imitate. These are individuals that we can look at and follow. Paul had said in 1 Corinthians, or yes, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 1, he said, he had fo- said, follow me as I have followed Christ. Another translation says, imitate me as I have imitated Christ. These two individuals are individuals that we can imitate. They, they are models for us. One of the things, well, we were, we were up there as I was listening when people were saying, giving the testimony of Devine and Andy, it made me think of, the, of this. What, what would be said if, if your pastor had to write a recommendation for you, what, as you went to minister at another church, what would he say? Or if I went to another church and you were asked a recommendation what would be said of me? And, and I believe as we look at Timothy and Epaphroditus, we can, we can see that these are servants to imitate. In other words, what Paul's, Paul's testimony about these two individuals, are reach, they are within our reach. These are things that we can implement and put in place in our own lives. If, as we approach the scripture here, if we think of it in that fashion, am I up to this standard and secondly, I can be up to this standard by the grace of God and the Holy Spirit working in and through me. Am I, if Paul was writing about me, could I be an imi- a servant to be imitated? 
Could I be that level of praise or testimony that others would speak of me in such terms? Now, Timothy and Epaphroditus were not perfect individuals. We know there's no perfect. Paul himself wasn't perfect. You know, he demonstrated it in his own life when he had that conflict there with Barnabas. But nonetheless, there was still growth. There was still progress being made. And we, indeed, as believers, need to be servants that could be imitated, not only by other believers, but imitated not only by our children, but imitated in the sense as we're out in the real world sharing the gospel. Do we really believe what we're sharing? Do we have a real passion for Christ? Well, Timothy and Epaphroditus really had a passion for Christ, to live Christ, to share Christ, uh, intentionally uh, live out their faith. And so this, is, this message has to do with the testimony that Paul writes concerning Timothy and uh, Titus. Let's, there we go. Timothy. Uh, Timothy's a real deal, verse 19 to 24. Timothy, he had a great heritage. His mother was Jewish. His father, apparently, we believe, was Greek. But yet he, his mother was, and grandmother Lois is also mentioned, they were believers we are not shared with us that his dad was a believer. We don't assume that. We don't know. But his mother and grandmother were believers. He was raised in the faith. We often think of Timothy as a, a comparatively young man. He probably wasn't really all that young. He wasn't in his 20s. I believe he was probably in his mid-30s, even to maybe his early 40s. He was, but, but he had been led to Christ uh, either by Paul or by his mother, grandmother. But Paul as you'll see in the passage here, it talks about his son in the faith. In other words, he mentored Timothy. He discipled Timothy, uh, is, is what, uh, what took place here. They were very close. They, were, they traveled together in Philippi in Acts 16, Acts 17. They were in Thessalonica and Berea. In chapter 18 in Acts, they were in Corinth. In chapter 19, they were in Ephesus together. Uh, this was probably next to Luke and Titus, uh, he, was, he was Paul's main primary traveling companion. So they worked very closely. Paul, uh, Timothy saw him in action. And Paul is recommending him to the Church of Philippi because he, he can't go back himself. So he's sending his representative. He's sending Timothy. And so he's telling them, okay, this is who I'm sending, is Timothy. Uh, first of all, we see, for I have he says, I have no one like-minded. The, the word like-minded uh, means like-souled or equal-souled, a kindred spirit. Uh, the, the best word that I could come up with was they were compatible. In other words, th- the point is this. If you talked to Timothy or talked to Paul, it would be just like talking to Timothy. If you talked to Timothy, it would be just like talking to the Apostle Paul. They were like-minded. They were like-souled. Because it's so much on my mind, I'll, I'm going to use this illustration individual said to me when I was up at the sending service for my son, they said, wow, uh, looking at you and hearing you talk and your sense of humor is just like listening to Andy. Well, you know, our children are like us. Well, they spend so much time like us, they become like us. Uh, I'm not so sure it's a good thing that they look like us, but nonetheless, that, this, was, this was Paul and Timothy's relationship was so unique and so personal as they had this oneness uh, in the faith and for the ministry. And so he says, I, I have no one like-minded. I have no one who is, com- is uh, compatible, as compatible as he is with me. And, and you know how that is. If you, get, uh, you buy a new electronic uh, uh, iPad, 
Well, they changed the outlet, so you have to buy a new outlet, too, to plug it in. Well, it's, it's not compatible. That's why I had to get a new one, so it was compatible. This is what Paul and Timothy, they were compatible. They were like-minded. They were like-souled. He had spent time and energy in building that relationship and discipling him uh, over the years. When it comes to the things of the church, Paul and Timothy were kindred spirits. Their thoughts, their feelings, their actions were compatible. The second thing we see is that he was compassionate. Uh, he will sincerely care for your souls. Now, the, the word, and I've, I've told you this before, that because, but it's such an interesting word, sincera. It means, it means no wax. The, the, this is where they would come, the pottery house or the pottery barn, and they'd check out the pieces of pottery. And what they would do is they would hold them up to the light to see if light shone through, because often what the pottery seller would do is he would fill the cracks in with wax. It, was, it wasn't true. In other words, it was sincere. There was, it wasn't sincere. And so he would, they would hold up light to see if the light came through to show where a crack was. What he's saying is, Timothy, there's no cracks in Timothy. There's no wax. He's the real deal. He, he is someone that you can look at and, and imitate. He, he is his compassion who will sincerely care for your state or sincerely care for your souls. He was faithful to have a strong feeling for someone or something. Timothy was a real deal. He had great concern for their welfare, physical, emotional, and spiritual. So Paul said, I, I send Timothy to you. He, we, are, we are compatible and he has compassion. He's going to care for you and it's, it's real. This is not made up. And you know how it is. Uh, even, even we are guilty of it ourselves oftentimes, of putting on a show. But Timothy was not putting on a show. He was real. He was a real deal. Third thing we see about him is, for all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ. He was Christ-centered. In verse 21. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. Wiersbe made an interesting comment about this verse. He said, we are either Philippians 121 or 221. Philippians 121, what does it say? Paul's philosophy of life, for me to live is Christ. To die is gain. We either Philippians 121 or 221. What's 221 say again? Uh, for all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. You're either living for Christ or living for yourself. We're all either one or the other. And what he's saying here is Timothy is Christ-centered. He's Christocentric. He is, it is all about Christ. With Timothy, it's all about Christ. For Paul, for me to live as Christ, to die as gain, well, you know what? Timothy's just like that. For me to live as Christ, to die as gain. Timothy and Paul had the same compatible philosophy of ministry, philosophy of life. Certainly in, in a servant that can be imitated. Then in verse 22, it makes reference to his character. He, he was... He was a man of character. You know his proven character. The Greek word is doc, doc imon, doc imon. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that right. It simply means proof after testing. In other words, he has proven character. He has been tested and proven to be a genuine article. He is, again, the real Timothy expressed the test of God and man. 
and shown himself to be a man of character or proven character. Character is what, what you are in the dark. What you, what, not what people think you are, but what you really are. What, what God knows you are is your character. Timothy had proven character. He, he had met the test. He had passed the test. He had become, through the test, a better man. Uh, Norman Schwarzkopf, who was the commander of the Central Command, both for Desert Shield and Desert Storm, was asked and interviewed about leadership. This is what he wrote. What are the essential qualities of courageous leadership? That was the question, his answer. Character is a fundamental attribute of all great leaders. It's more important than anything else. Competence is important, but if you had to to sacrifice one, you would give up competence before character. Character is everything. In times of crisis, when people must pick a leader from their peers, they always select the leader based upon character. Joseph is an illustration. He had many setbacks in life, but because of his character, he was always raised to favor. Daniel, many setbacks in life, but his character caused him always to rise to favor. He stood out. Also, it would be true of Nehemiah. They were men of character, it is, which is another lesson itself. It is possible in the worldly society, the culture that they were being in, where Joseph was in Egypt, Nehemiah was in Babylon, and Daniel, of course, was also in Babylon. It is possible for you to be a man, a woman of character, even in a diverse, even in a rebellious, even in a culture that denies God. And certainly that is evidence of some of the things we've happened in the past few weeks of things that have been passed. It is possible for you to be a man, a woman of character, even in this society, this culture that we live in. Proven character. Timothy, I'm sending Timothy to you. He is a man of compassion. He's a man of character. He is compatible with me. And he's Christ-centered. He's the real deal. And I, I can send him to you without any hesitation. Oftentimes on recommendation forms, it'll say something like, how would you recommend this person? Highly recommended, kind of recommended, or not recommended? And hopefully, he, this, the, with Timothy, the case was this, he was highly recommended. There was no hesitation on uh, Paul's part to set him forth. Let's go to Epaphroditus. I, I put up here Epaphroditus as average jewel because most of us, I believe, would fall into this category. I'm not Apostle Paul, okay? I'm not a Timothy, but I, I could identify in some respects with, with Epaphroditus. I, we all think we're above average, but the truth of the matter is we're probably a little bit below average. But the average Joe is where Epaphroditus is. Just interested in what Paul's testimony concerning him. Epaphroditus wasn't a preacher, but it does say some interesting things about him. Look at verse 25. Yet I consider it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need. In other words, Epaphroditus had been sent to Philippi to Paul in prison. And he identifies Epaphroditus, first of all, as his brother. They have, a, they have a common spiritual heritage. They have a common spiritual life. They have a common unity in Christ. You and I are brothers and sisters in Christ. We have a common bond. We have a common unity. We're in Christ. He's called, he identifies him. In other words, he's united with Paul in faith. They have that spiritual bond. Uh, you know how it is when you go traveling and you get into certain places, whether it be a restaurant or maybe even in a... Uh, 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 maybe you went to the beach or... <laughs> 
where we are, sometimes you'll hear or see someone and you get the sense of, you know, there's something familiar about them. And so you take the initiative and try to get to know them and talking to them and visiting with them, you find out they're a Christian. Well, that sense was this, your, the Holy Spirit that indwells you speaking to you about the Spirit of God that dwells within them and to understand that there is that, com- that spiritual common bond we have and it is Christ. So he said, he's my brother. We have a common spiritual life. A fellow worker, we have a common spiritual effort. Uh, he, he worked alongside me. He worked with me. He was, he was a personal friend, not just an official relationship. He wasn't just your representative, but we, we worked together. We, we were friends. Had that personal relationship, not just an official relationship. He says, a fellow soldier. A soldier, of course, speaks up things of fighting, of a battle. There's an enemy. Truly, Paul was not fighting only a physical enemy, but a spiritual enemy, even as he tells us in Ephesians. There is a spiritual battle going on behind the scenes, and indeed we need our brothers and sisters in Christ to assist us, to help us through those battles, those, those, the fellow soldier. Uh, emphasizing their joint struggle against spiritual enemies, and it's not subordinate, but a spiritual warrior in God's army, a common spiritual enemy. Common spiritual life, a common spiritual effort, and a common spiritual uh, enemy. Is speaking of his relationship. He was one with Paul in sympathy, in work, and in danger. In sympathy, work, and in danger. He was one with Paul, his relationship to Paul. Uh, his relationship to the church, also there in verse 25, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need. Uh, your messenger, uh, the interesting uh, word there is apostolos which is what Paul identifies himself. But the, gen- the generic meaning of apostolos is messenger or ambassador sent with a mission. In other words, Epaphroditus is your messenger, was sent with a mission to minister to me. And basically what he's saying is Epaphroditus carried out his mission. He accomplished exactly what you sent him to do. And as we, for instance, when we think about our mission, what is our mission? Well, Evangelism, we have the Great Commission. We have the Great Command, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy mind, and love thy neighbor as thyself. So we have the Great Commission, we have the Great Command, and we have the Great Commitment. So what's a Great Commitment? Well, Christ himself said, I didn't come to earth to be ministered unto, but I came to minister. I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. What's our mission? The Great Commission, evangelism, to love God, and to serve. That's what we're to accomplish. Well, Epaphroditus carried out the mission that he was sent for. Are you carrying out the mission that God has put you here for? Where are you serving? Who have you witnessed to lately? Who have you shared Christ with? And do you truly love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and all your strength? Or are you kind of got compartmentalized, there's a couple rooms that you're not quite sharing with him. There's some items that you've got packed away that you don't want to unpack for him. But you want to go visit that room from time to time. See, Epaphroditus carried out his mission that God sent him to carry out. His relationship to the church, and he also says, you're your minister. We get our word actually liturgy. A minister, a public official that served at their own expense often, but one who did a sacred service of special importance. This is Epaphroditus. He did a special service of sacred importance at his own expense. Even though he was sent by the church of Philippi, 
It was at his own expense, even to the point of his health failed or his failing. The point is this. Epaphroditus was a faithful servant, a valued representative, a tireless worker, and a humble servant of the highest caliber. Here we have Timothy, who's the real deal, and Epaphroditus, who may be just an average Joe. But I love this statement. I, I don't know who I got it from, but it was a faithful servant, a valued representative, a tireless worker, a humble servant of the highest caliber. If somebody was to write a spiritual recommendation for us, would that be, could that be written about us? Of the highest caliber. The kind of godly men and god, godly women that, he would, that, that God would have us to be in Christ. A faithful servant, a valued representative, a tireless worker, humble servant of the highest caliber. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, as we looked in your scriptures this morning, your word, and we thank you for the testimony and example of both Timothy and Epaphroditus. Indeed, Father, we pray that uh, as the Spirit of God takes the word of God, as we apply that and put it in practice in our own lives, that indeed we may be faithful to the mission, whether it be evangelism or our love for you or our service. Indeed, Lord, I pray that our lives may manifest uh, what is true and what is right. Even as we think of the, the theme of the area of humility, or to, to be men and women of character, to humbly walk before you and consistently, that our lives be Christ-centered. Uh, with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here this morning, say, Pastor Ken, and, and listen to me, I understand I'm not speaking to the unsaved here this morning. If you're not saved, you certainly invite you to Christ, but I'm speaking to Christians. This message is for Christians, for believers. If you're here this morning, this morning and you say, Pastor Ken, just pray for me, that, that I would be like Timothy, Epaphroditus, so that my life will be a great representative of what Christ would have me to be. Yes. Others? Yes. Yes. Father, I always think of Ephesians 3.20, above and beyond what we ask or think, according to the power of God that works within us. And Father, you want to work. Many times the only obstacle to it is our willingness to humble ourselves and submit ourselves to you. Indeed, Father, we pray for those who raise their hands and those who are, uh, you have convicted in their own hearts and lives that indeed you will continue to work and minister. And Lord, I pray that as we go through this week that we will be very conscientious even on a daily basis of those individuals, those people we come in contact with that we can share Christ with, that we will take the initiative, we will create those opportunities that we'll serve with a willingness of heart and a humble heart to be the men of, godly men and women that you'd have us to be. And even as it said there of Epaphroditus, he, he was a servant of the highest caliber. In Christ's name we pray.